Amen. Well, you can have a seat. Good morning. Glad that you're with us today. Uh, My name is Ray. I'm one of the pastors serving alongside you here at New City. Glad that you're with us. Uh, If you're on the inside of the aisle, I'm going to ask you real quick to grab this clipboard. And if you would, fill out your name there and then pass that down the aisle. That would be greatly appreciated. All right. And this is just a way that we kind of keep track of uh, just who's here. And uh, if you go missing for a couple weeks, we just want to check up on you and make sure things are good and uh, see if there's any way that we can help you in any way um, with something that might be going on in your life. And so uh, it goes with our vision and our hope that by 2020, that every part or every member of our church is known and knows that they are known, right? And so that you feel as though you are a part of this body, that you are connected to this body. And so um, that is our hope in that and why we even spend the time doing that each and every week, all right? So we are continuing on in our story, or our, in our uh, study, excuse me, of the letter of Ephesians. Now, I want to apologize here on the front end. Like, my nose is, is allergies are here, okay? And so I'm more nasally than I am on the normal. And so I'm, I apologize for that today. But if you could bear with me and have a little bit of grace in that, all right? So we are continuing on in our, in our study of the book of Ephesians. And I just want to kind of give us a quick, again, kind of recap of what we've looked at and what we've been seeing through this letter that Paul has written to the church in the city of Ephesus, all right? So we talked about the very first week, the goal and purpose of our study of Ephesians is so that we will see ourselves in the same way that God sees us, right? We will see ourselves in the same way that God sees us. And ultimately what that means is where is our identity found, right? Where is our identity found? Well, our identity is to be found in Christ. And that's what Paul is sharing with us here in the book of Ephesians. He uses that statement in Christ on multiple times so that we then can begin to understand and the folks in Ephesus can begin to understand. Look, it is in Christ that everything else is foundationally built from, right? That's where it starts. It starts with our relationship that is in Christ, Now, over the past couple weeks, we have been walking through this, and we've been looking at this idea of what that looks like for us individually, right? So as the believer or as a follower of Christ, what does that look like? And we saw that in that, we have adoption into the family of God, right? So when we come into relationship with Jesus, we are then adopted into the family of God. And in that adoption, we then receive a couple different things. We receive an inheritance— of the kingdom, because now we are heirs of God and we are co-heirs with Christ. And so we receive this inheritance. Now, this inheritance, again, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, is not something that when we get to heaven, you get this big helping of, okay, here's your inheritance. But it's things that we can now, spiritual blessings that we now receive today as a follower. Now, there's some things, obviously, right? Like being the immediate presence of the Lord will not happen until we're where? Till we're in heaven, right? And we've passed on. But there are these blessings that we are able to receive now. And Paul, in his prayer there in chapter 1, kind of sums up what some of these things are. And so he says uh, that being, or we, we get the riches of his glory. Like that's how he describes it, the riches of his glory. But then also he goes on to say the hope of his calling. And then he moves on to say the immeasurable greatness of his power. 
And we talked about that power last week and how we have access to that power now. We don't have to wait to get to heaven to have access to God's power. We have that access to that power now. But here's the thing. God's desire is for him, for the church to be used for his glory, right? And so we start with this foundational idea of in Christ, we receive these things. And today we're going to begin to talk about, okay, what does that look like for us as a church? Or as Paul describes it often, the body, right? Like Paul loved this phrase in Christ, but he also loved to use this illustration of the body, and the body being the church, but also the body being compared to the actual physical body of a person. And so he uses it here in Ephesians. He uses it over in Corinthians. He uses it over in Romans. In all of those letters that he writes, he talks about and compares the church to this living organism of the body, the physical body that we have been given. Because that's a great example, right? Because the people he's talking to are in this body. They have a body. And so he is sharing to them, look, here is the illustration I'm giving you. Now just apply it to your body that you have, right? And so he begins this conversation in chapter four of of Ephesians. And that's where we're going to be today, all right? So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you're already there, then I need one second to get there, all right? So, oh, it fell out of my Bible, apparently, all of Ephesians. There it is. Okay. All right, so that's where we're going to begin today is in chapter 4 of Ephesians. So here we go. All right, so therefore, now again, as we've talked about, if there's a therefore, we need to know what the therefore is there for, right? And so what is the therefore there for? Well, because he has just talked about, and just as we looked at last week, he's talked about the love of Jesus, right? The love of Jesus and how grand it is. And he says, look, what is the length and the width and the height and the depth of God's love? To know the Messiah and his love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think and according to his power that is at work within us. Right? So therefore, here's what he says. I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you. Right? Urge you. Now he's talking about the people in Ephesus. But we've talked about throughout this series that no, he's not only talking to the people in Ephesus. He's talking to each one of us, right? So he says, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness and with patience, accepting one another in love, diligently keeping the unity of the spirit with the peace that binds us. There is one body and there is one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling in one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of the Messiah's gift, right? That lavishing of grace that he has given to us. For it says, when he ascended on high, he took prisoners into captivity and he gave gifts to people. He gave gifts to people. But what does he ascended mean except that he descended on the lower parts of the earth? The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fulfill all things. And he personally gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers for the training of the saints in the work of the ministry to build up the body 
of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son. Now he begins this conversation of unity and this need for unity. But there's a phrase in there, he gave gifts to people. Right? He has given giftings to each and every one of us to make up and to create this body that is the church. Each of us are unique. None of us in this room are the same. We may have tendencies that are the same, but we are created to be unique. And in the same way that God has knitted and crafted and created your physical body for your uniqueness, he has also crafted and created this body for its own uniqueness through the giftings of the people that he has put here. Now, here's the thing about this is that I don't believe that God is done with us, right? God is not done with us. In fact, I think God is just beginning something within us. He's just beginning something within us because look here, this fire has not been extinguished, right? Like there's still a fire burning here. As we talked about this past weekend at our discipleship conference, this well has not been filled, right? Like this well is still a place that someone can come and drink. And God still desires to use us as a body. He wants to use us. The question is, are we going to step into it and are we going to be used? Because again, he has uniquely put each of us here to be a part of this body. He's crafted it together and brought each of us into this place for a purpose and for a reason. Now, wouldn't it be nice, right, if the Lord would send us a daily email each morning that would land in our inbox and he would say, all right, this is what you need to do today to easily follow my will, right? Like what I desire for your life, this is what you need to do today. Just check these off and you'll be set. Right? Now, that obviously doesn't happen, does it? Does it? Does anybody get one? If you do, let me know. Right? Like, all right, so we don't get this daily email of, okay, here's what you need to do. And so where do we then find the direction that we need to go and the places that we need to go? Well, in our time with the Lord, we need to be abiding with the Lord. Right? We need to be in Christ, as we've talked about these past several weeks. That's where we need to be residing as individuals that then come together in the fullness of the church. So then we are individually beginning to hear from God. So what does that do for us as a body? We're then, as a body, hearing from God. Getting instruction from the Lord and direction And the cool thing is that something happens in an individual's life, and then that begins to happen in the life of the body. See how that works? Something begins to happen in my life, but guess what? It happens in the life of our whole church. Now, whether it be good or whether it be bad, but we'll get to that in a minute, okay? So this first part of chapter 4 here, we've spent some time in because we've talked about this gifting that has been given to the church. We often call it the apes. Right, this, this gifting for each of us, for what? For the building up of the church, for the building up of the body. So he says here, he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. Right. So he has put each of you, has given each of you a strength in one of those areas. 
And what's cool is that those come together and they're all needed for us to function properly. In other words, if we were all apostles, right, like the apostle is the go-minded person, like the let's get this started type person. And so if we're all apostles, guess what? We're all starting a bunch of stuff, but then we're out of here, right? Like we don't ever let anything settle and get done. But then the shepherds are sitting there going, wait, 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 let's, 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 let's hold up, right? The prophets are going, why are we doing this? Right? Like they're, they're checking the apostle's spirit. Like, okay, wait, you want to go, 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 but we need to hold back for a minute. Right? Because they're each needed. Right? They're each needed. Just like the parts of the body are needed. They're all needed. And so guess what? That means for you as a part of this body. You're needed. Right? Like you are needed to be a part of this body. Now, in verse 13, okay? He brings in this idea, Paul brings in this idea of unity. And he says, look, for the training of the saints. So each of these areas, apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, and shepherd, have all been given for the training of the saints in the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith. Now look here, this unity that he is talking about in verse 13 is the same unity that he just talked about up here in verse 2. And so what did he say about that? He said, diligently keep the unity of the Spirit. Diligently keep the unity of the Spirit. Now, guess what? This unity that he's talking about is the same unity that he talked about back in chapter 2, verse 11. That unity that through the Holy Spirit could bring together Jew and Gentile into one body into one body. Under Christ, they could worship together. They could be together. But then look here. If we keep going on down there. So he says, then no longer will we be tossed like children in the waves and blown around by every kind of teaching and by human cunning, cunning excuse me, with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head of Christ. For from him the whole body is fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament. And it promotes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love by the proper working. Let me say that again. For the proper working of each individual part. So what does that mean for us? Okay. We have each of us in Christ, or hopefully we're in Christ, right? And so now we have the Holy Spirit within us. The Holy Spirit is what is unifying us. That's what brings us together. And in that Holy Spirit power, that then allows us to worship with one another. So a great example. Let's just pull this out of thin air. So an example that we might not agree on. All right? Politics. We're talking about politics in church. All right, so here's the thing. Like, we might not agree, right? We might, some of us be Democrat, some of us might be Republican, right? It doesn't matter which side of the aisle you're sitting on, you might be sitting in the middle of the aisle. Like, you don't know. I just, I don't want to claim either one, right? Like, here's the thing. That doesn't matter. Because we don't come into this group as a unified people that are a unified group of Democrats or a unified group of Republicans. We come here as a unified people, unified under the Holy Spirit. That's what unifies us. Christ unifies us. That's what brings our unity together. 
the unity that he's talking about here within the body. But here's the thing. You can fill that with any kind of issue you want to talk about, right? Because his Holy Spirit power overcomes all of that. His Holy Spirit unity overcomes all of that. Now, here's the hard thing. This is where it gets sticky because there might be something that the person next to you disagrees with you about, right? Like we don't come into this place and go, okay, we 100% agree on everything, right? And so here's what happens. How do we respond to that? How do we respond to that? If we're supposed to bring unity into the body, but then yet there is a disagreement, what does that look like? Because here's the crazy thing, is that there are folks who may even disagree with something that if you begin to look in the Word of God, becomes or is labeled as sin, or unholy, or unrighteous. So how do we then approach that person if we are to diligently be keeping the unity of the Spirit? Well, guess what? Scripture has an answer, all right? So let's go to it. And here it is. He says in verse 2, Walk in a worthy of your calling, or walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility. Okay? So you come into the conversation with humility, with gentleness, and with patience, and accepting one another in love. That's how we begin to come into the conversation. But then in verse 15, he says, But speaking the truth in love. Right? Speaking the truth in love. Now, look here. If we go back to that verse in verse 2, I love how the new, um, the NLT translated, and, and they say this. It says in verse 2, always be humble and gentle. But then look at this next part. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Right? So making allowance for each other's faults because of your love and make every effort to keep yourself unified in the spirit, binding yourselves together in peace. Making allowances for each other's faults. Now, I don't know about you. I've messed up, right? I've been wrong. So if I'm wrong, if I'm not the truth, then where do I point someone when we begin to have this disagreement or this conversation or this argument? I point them to the truth, right? And so if we are in Christ, what is our truth? It's God's word, and it's the things that he is sharing with us through his word. So how then or where then do I point someone? I point them to the truth. And how do I point them to that truth? Through humility, through gentleness, and with patience. Here's the truth. This is the truth. Does that mean they're going to 100% go, oh, well, that's it? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But if we begin to bicker, if we begin to argue, then what does that do? That disrupts the unity, right? It disrupts the peace that we have. Now, here's the thing. Look what he says in verse 17. There's another therefore, okay? But we know what the therefore is therefore because we've already read that, okay? But look what it says. It says, therefore, I say this and testify in the Lord. You should no longer walk as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their thoughts. 
They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of their hardness of hearts. They become callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. So we come into the conversation and we say, well, I am all high and mighty Christian. Let me tell you how it is. No, that's not how we approach it. But we do have to understand this is where our hearts naturally go. This is where our minds naturally go. So hang with me for a second, okay? So we talk about the futility of their thoughts, okay? So futility is the uselessness, the ineffectiveness of their thoughts. This is where their thoughts are. Now, they have scales on their eyes to what truth is. So as we begin to bring this conversation, right, begin to talk through this, there is, there is this the scale that is there, the scale that is in place. But look what happens. How was the life of a person before Christ described as we've been walking through this? Here's a couple things for you, okay? They were dead in their trespasses, chapter 2, verse 1. They were under wrath, chapter 2, verse 3. They were excluded, chapter 2, verse 12. They were cut off, chapter 2, verse 12. They were without hope, chapter 2, verse 12. Guess what? This mindset and heart creates an ignorance towards the things of God. Right? We don't naturally, an unbeliever in Christ does not naturally turn to Christ and go, oh yeah, that's the truth. That's the answer. So we point them towards the truth. And we point them towards the truth with, again, humility, patience, and gentleness. Now what does this have to do with our giftings? What does this have to do with us as a church abiding with Christ? Here's the thing. These answers of truth, these immediate answers of truth and pointing people towards God's word as truth does not happen if we are not a church that does not abide with Christ. If we are not spending time with Christ, if we are not growing our relationship with Christ, if we are not growing our ears to what he is saying, then our natural tendency is to go to those things that we just talked about, the things of the flesh, the things that have put calluses on eyes, calluses on hearts. That's where we naturally go. And so we, we throw out opinions like, I think, and I feel. And we don't point for folks towards the truth because it comes off of experience, right? But here's the thing. Individually, if we are not eating and drinking from God's word, then we are not fulfilling ourselves, right? If we are not eating and drinking from God's word, we are not fulfilling ourselves. And so then if we take this idea of the individual playing into the body, then if we are not individually eating and drinking, what does that mean for us as a church? We're not eating and drinking from God's word. We're not fulfilling now, here's the thing. Let's say somebody comes to you and they say, okay, over the next three months, all right, you can have one steak dinner a week or you can have an average buffet every day. Which one are you going to pick? Right? Because the steak, no matter how good it is, isn't going to fulfill you for the whole week. But the buffet is a daily fulfilling, right? It's a daily freshness. There is a daily thing there. 
And it doesn't matter how many kids stick their finger in the chocolate fountain. Like, it's still going to fulfill you. And look here. That steak isn't going to hold you through the week. And I know my preaching, right? Like, I'm not throwing you a steak every week. Like, you're getting a burger, maybe a pork chop, right? Like, you're not getting a steak. And it's not going to sustain you. It's not going to fulfill you. But look here. Here's what Jesus says. He says, I'm the bread, right? I'm the bread of life. I'm the water of life. And you're not going to hunger and you're not going to thirst. You see what that looks like for us if we're abiding with Christ, if we're spending time with Christ? Then we are fulfilled. And we're fulfilled in what? We're fulfilled in the truth. So when we talk about this idea of unity within the body, I'm fulfilling myself in that and then I'm speaking truth not opinion, into our conversations, into those things that bring disunity. So how do we respond? We respond with truth. Now, in John chapter 8, Jesus says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Right? You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Because here's the thing when we find our truth in Jesus, and we find our truth in the Holy Spirit, and we find our truth in what He is leading us to, but more importantly, when we are leading others to the truth, look here's what's found in the truth the fullness, the fullness of truth. And it's there in God, it's there in man, it's there in creation, it's there in history, it's there in life, it's there in purpose. It's there in relationships, heaven, hell, judgment, and everything else. The Bible covers it. It's there, and there's an answer there for you to address with truth. So we respond with truth. And we bring that truth into the body for unity. Now let's go back to this conversation about parts, right? And which part we might be. So again, like I said at the beginning... He uses this idea over in the book of Corinthians as well. So if you would turn over to chapter 12 in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, as some would say. (laughs) And look what he says in chapter 12, verse 4. He says, now, there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. This is going to sound a lot like what we just heard. There are different ministries with the same Lord, and there are different activities with the same God activates each gift in each person. And a demonstration of the Spirit is given to each person to produce what is beneficial. Right? It doesn't say that he produces it to tear us apart. He produces it for it to be beneficial. And then he lists out some things that might be present in the church. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinct, distinct, excuse me, can't say that word, distinguishing between spirits. To another, different kinds of languages. And to another, interpretation of languages. But look what he says. But one and the same spirit is active in all of these, distributing to each person as he wills. Now, if we continue on, look what he says. He says, for as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we were baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, 
right? Like whether Democrat or Republican, like that's where we are. So the body is not one part, but many, right? The body is one part, or excuse me, is not one part, but many. Verse 15, if a foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. In spite of this, I still belong to the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. And in spite of this, it still belongs to the body. And if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed each one of the parts in the body just as he has wanted. So what does that mean for us today? It means if you're here and you're a part of this body, guess what? God wants you here. And he has gifted you for a purpose within this body. And he has something that he wants to do here when all of these body parts get functioning in the way that we are to function. He has something that he wants to use that body to do. And look, you can cry out all you want. I don't want to be a hand. I don't want to be a foot. But guess what? You're still a part of the body. You're still a part. And again, it's been knitted and crafted by God. He has put you where he wants you, right? Where he wants you. Now, I love this this little quote here, all right? It says this. It says, if we were all feet, we would just be walking. If we were all hands, we'd just be serving. If we were all eyes, we'd just be observing. And if we were all ears, we'd just be hearing. You see, it takes every part to hear and to see what the Lord is doing and begin serving and walking where he wants us to go. Takes every part, every part of this beautiful body to function in the way that God so desires for us to function. That's why it's so important that we then abide with Christ. Because we need to be Functioning. We all need to be functioning and functioning properly. Now, if we continue on, look what it says. It says, and this is, this is like encouragement 101, all right? Look here. So the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. But even more, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are necessary, right? So you're like, man, I don't lead anything. I don't know that I'm needed. Nope. You're needed. In fact, you're necessary. And then look, and those parts of the body that we think to be less honorable, we clothe them with greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have a better presentation. But our presentable parts have no need of clothing. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable. So that there would be no, look at this, division within the body. But that the members would have the same concern for each other. Right? The same concern for each other. And then this is going to start sounding a lot like Acts 4. The early church, right? Where they were caring for one another. Look what he says. He says, so if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, then all the members rejoice with it. Now here's something that was pointed out to me the other day by a good friend of mine in Acts chapter 4. Right? We look at Acts chapter 4, and man, they were, they were serving, they were sharing, they were taking care of one another, right? And the thing is, look, we've got to realize like, that description was that church on its best day. 
right? Like that was that church on its best day. They were doing that. They didn't start there, right? They had to grow into that. And for us as a church, we can look at that and go, okay, that's where we want to be, right? We want to be there. If somebody suffers within the body, we want to suffer with them. If somebody is rejoicing, then we want to rejoice with them because we're all a part of the body, right? We all have a part to play. Now, in verse 27, it says this. It says, now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it, right? Like, let me say that again. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Now I was going to get you know, it's Halloween. So I was going to get these hands and these feet and like I was going to pass them out, but I couldn't find any that weren't like gruesome and bloody. And so I thought, eh, better not. But here's the thing. Here's what the Lord does. He says, all right, here's what I've got for you, right? You're, you're a high A, right? You're an apostle, right? And your spiritual giftings, we hadn't talked about that yet, but you have these spiritual gifts. And so you're going to be a foot, like you're going to be a foot. And the thing is that we don't get caught up in, okay, I'm a foot or a hand or, man, I'm an armpit, right? Like, we don't get caught up in that. But what we should get caught up in is, okay, the Lord has gifted Jake as a high A, an apostle. He's given him these spiritual gifts. So what does that look like now for Dennis? I think you're a shepherd, right, or a teacher? Is that yours? Prophet? Yeah, I could see that, okay. So... You've been gifted as a prophet. You've been gifted with these spiritual giftings. And so now, what does that look like for Jake? Well, it's perfect that you said prophet because he's a high A, right? He wants to go. He wants to go. And you ask the question, okay, why? Why? But you see that, how the, how the Lord puts that together, right? How he puts that together. So, Chad, what are you? Prophet, too. That doesn't work. <laughs> You're a shepherd. Okay. So, Courtney's a shepherd. Right? So we've got our, our A, we've got our P, we've got our S, right? And you've been given these spiritual giftings as well. And so now these members come together, these parts come together and create what this beautiful body is. Now let's take that a step further and just go to each one of you and think about, okay, if you've gone through and taken the five-fold ministry thing, like what is your part of the apest? Are you apostle, you prophet, you shepherd, teacher, evangelist? What's God put you to be? Well, guess what? He's put you in this body because of that gifting that he has given you. For what? For the building up of the church. But on top of that, you've been given spiritual gifts. The spiritual gifts, guess what? They play into the body as well. Unified. And guess what? It's not like the Lord said, well, you know what? I'm going to take this group of people and just slide them over there. Nope. He has strategically put you here in this body to be a part of this body for the growing of it and for the unity in it. That's why we're here. But we've got to go back to chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. Okay, first off, we're in Christ, right? We're in Christ. We've been put together as a body, but that doesn't happen unless we're in Christ, right? And we continue to grow. Now, this past weekend, what we did at the discipleship conference was we took some of the scripture and we said, okay, let's personalize it, right? Let's personalize that scripture to our lives. 
All right, so let's take this scripture for a minute and let's personalize it. So now you, new city, are the body of Christ. And you, Ray, are an individual member of it. Right? Now slide your name in there. Okay, so now you, new city, are the body of Christ. And? Keep going. Come on. All right, keep going. We'll say it again. There's two of you. Come on. Come on. Right? So you, New City, are the body of Christ, and each of us are individual members of it. He has placed you where he wants you. Right? Where he wants you. Man, awesome. So here's a couple things. We're running out of time. So here we go. Here's a couple things I want you to see, all right? The first one is this. There is diversity, right? There is diversity within the giftings that he gives, within the apest and with the spiritual giftings that he talks about here in chapter 12. There's diversity, right? We talked about it at the very beginning. If we're all a high A, if we're all apostles and we all just want to go, 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 guess what? We're never going to get anything done, right? If we're all shepherds, we're just all going to want to huddle up in the corner and hug each other, right? Like, (laughs) so we've got to have diversity within the body. Excuse me. Sorry. I'm partial to that. Anyway, okay. The next one is this. There is a need for one another, right? We must have one another. You've got to have all the parts and you can't say, I don't need you, right? Like if somebody comes up to you in this church and they say, we don't need you here, oh, you let me know because we need you here, right? We need you here. And it's not because we need you just to help set us up or do all these things and serve. That's not what I mean by we need you here, right? Like we need you here because God has put you here, okay? The next one is this. When all the parts function together, it creates beautiful unity, and the true purpose for the body. Now, let me say it again. When all parts function together, it creates beautiful unity and purpose for the body. Right? If my leg wants to go this way, but the rest of my body wants to go this way, that doesn't create unity in my body. Right? I'm like a junior hire, and I can't figure out where I need to go. All right? But look here. The questions are this. Okay? Something to think through, and not to bring guilt to our hearts, but just for us to begin to think, all right? So the first one is this. Are we functioning in it? Right? Are we functioning in what the Lord is asking us to do, or are we just simply sitting by the side? Now, a couple years ago, my pastor shared this question with our staff, and then he shared it with the congregation a couple Sundays later. And there again, not to bring guilt, but just to begin to think, all right? So here it is. If everyone in the body served like I serve, would our body be better because of it? Right? If every body or everyone in the body served like I serve, would our body be better because of it? The next one is this. If everyone in the body abided like I abide, would our body be stronger because of it? And the third one, if everyone in the body prayed like I pray, would our body be better because of it? 
Man, imagine if we were to move into that. Imagine if we were to begin to step into that. If we were to begin to serve in a way that, man, I am here to make this body better. If we were to abide with Christ and grow in Christ in a thought and a knowing, I am here to make this body better. And if we prayed like we're praying in such a way that I am praying to make this body better. If each and every one of us began to step into that, began to do that, what would that look like? It'd be a beautiful, beautiful body. (laughs) That's what it'd be. It'd be a beautiful body that was functioning beautifully in what the Lord intended it to do. And then I believe, here's what the Lord does. He looks down at that body and he goes, that body's a beautiful body and I want to use that body to do something. I want to do something with that body. But where does it all start? It all starts back at the very beginning of are we in Christ? Are we abiding in Christ? That's where it starts. And if we're not doing that, then the rest isn't going to happen. The rest isn't going to come. We've got to pursue his heart and his desires for this body. He wants you to be a part of it. (laughs) That's the awesome thing. He wants you to be a part of it. Let me pray.